I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Christine Thoma. Christine is a high school English teacher, as well as a blogger, a speaker, and the author of God's Whispers, Your Anchor Through Life's Storms. She joins me on episode 21. And for those of you that might not have listened to the episode, I'm going to read a brief synopsis of her book here. It starts with, you want me to what? I asked God as the minister at the front of the church talked about how God speaks to people. I could clearly hear God telling me what he had planned. He told me to listen and to follow his guidance in all matters of life and then to write a book. God's Whispers, Your Anchor Through Life's Storms is a manifestation of my dialogue with God. Everyone experiences tough times in life, from the loss of loved ones to challenges with work to issues with health. With these challenges can come doubt in ourselves, in our relationships, and in our faith with God. During trying times, we want answers. On my journey, God spoke to me, not only through his voice, but through the Bible, other books, songs, license plates, nature, and people. In the rapidly changing sea of life, the water does not remain calm for long. As you wait for God to guide you through your storms, this book will provide a valuable reminder to trust in God, to patiently wait for his voice to speak to you, and to recognize that unanswered prayers might be purposeful. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thanks, Kara. Great to see you again. I know. It is so nice. You're my first repeat guest to come back on the show. So this is so exciting. I feel honored. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, for those listeners that might not have listened to our episode 21 at this point, listeners, you should totally go back and do that. Go back. (laughs) But if you have not, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are? Because I feel like you're more than just this little bio here. Yeah. Well, I'm a mother of two boys, ages 10 and 12, who after... 10 years of 30 miscarriages, I adopted them. And it was such a blessing to, to have them in my life since they were born. Um, I've been teaching high school English for 28 years, have a master's in writing. And so God put on my heart way back in 2001 that um, we were, we were at church and all of a sudden the pastor was talking about how ways God talks to people. And I was like, what? And he basically said in my mind, like, you're going to write this book and you need a journal all the ways I'm going to talk to people, especially you. And um, you're going to go through some hard times. And when I say go write this book. And so it was finally published in December 2022. So yeah. and, here it is. and then I've also um, my husband and I also own our local Ace Hardware store in town, too, that my parents started way back in 1976. So we're also hardware owners. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So you are not busy at all. It sounds not like. at all. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm a professional chauffeur for my kids this summer. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't realize from our last episode that you guys owned the hardware store as well, but wow. Yeah. yeah. That is. <laughs> that happened um, four weeks after like officially, like we've been, my husband and I have been buying in for the last 19 years. Um, he's okay. been working and managing it with my dad, but my dad officially retired. And so did my mom. She was the accountant. And we took that over four weeks after um, 
like officially took it over four weeks after the book was published. So not busy at all. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Wow. I yeah. I like find when people talk about all the things that they do in their lives, I'm like, that is so impressive. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Just get on a roller coaster and you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Things get presented in front of you and you just, you jump on. Yep. So that's so awesome. It's a good ride. So <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I learned something new already this morning. So thanks for sharing that. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk a little bit. I know we talked about you writing the book and all of that, but I have some new questions for you today. So what did you learn about yourself when you were writing the book? Actually quite a bit. Um, it took, you know, 15 so years to write it. So there was a lot of introspection. And I think having gone through so many losses of like, loved ones through death and the infertility and the health scares of other loved ones it writing was really therapeutic there was really a healing power in and getting that all out there and it helped with the grief process and um and it helped me kind of process how god was working and how to deal with the pain and and, and the forgiveness of all that and it helped find meaning um kind of helped me connect the dots. And I don't know if I would have, if I didn't journal all the ways God was talking to me and all the feelings I had, I don't know if I would have seen all the ways God was working in my life, which then mm -hmm. gives me faith for the next time when something happens, because we're all going to have those ups and downs in life, you know? Um, yeah. And looking back, I could really see God's hand in, in, in what was going on. Um, in the process too, it, it kind of, I learned that I needed to be open to accepting help and, and criticism and becoming one with rejection because there was a lot of rejection and trying to get it published. And I think the whole process of all through all my stories, I saw the theme of like, I needed to be persistent and trust and have faith in something bigger than myself, which for me was God. And um, that, that, that theme of persistence and trust is true, whether you're writing a book or not writing a book, you know, I think yeah. we all can kind of relate to that, I think. And um, yeah, those were the main things that I think I learned while writing. Yeah. As you say, persistence, I immediately thought, and God is so persistent with us too. Oh yeah. He wants yeah. a relationship with all of us. Yeah. And yeah. I think what you're saying, that part of like the retrospective looking back, I, I think that's something that we, you know, I, I think all of us could benefit from, right? And even if you're not going to share your story with the world, mm -hmm. um, or spent, I'm sure you spent many hours, you know, completing this into a book and pushing this out to publicists and things like that. But I think just it would be therapeutic for us all to kind of write down our stories because then you can take like a bird's eye view of things that have happened. You know, you can step oh, back from sure. it a little bit journaling like yeah just even just like making bullet pointless I had this tradition I started with myself when I was in third grade I don't know where I came up with this idea but every New Year's Eve I would make a list of all the good and bad things that happened and I have them ever since like you know like 1990 1982 <laughs> wow. like from every New Year's Eve but just like kind of reflecting on the year what I'm grateful for and what goals I have and what's happened and new people who came into my life, new friends I made or people who passed. And so it's kind of neat to look back and like, to see how you've grown. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I think at all points of our life, right, is when you're going through something, it feels long, hard, you're never going, you're never going to be the same, right. But I think when you have this look right of the end of the year picture, is you can see, oh, well, that was maybe just a blip in the radar, but it seemed like such a big deal 
at the oh, time yeah. that I was going I remember my best friend, we were both going through different like health issues. And she said, well, whatever happens a year from now, it's going to be different. Yeah. I mean, it might be the same. It may be worse. It may be better, but like things are going to change. Nothing's going to stay exactly the same forever. Yeah. Which I think is so hard to see in the moment yeah. sometimes. Totally. Totally. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. What is something that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started writing the book? Yeah, I, I think this idea about imposter syndrome, I, I didn't realize that was so normal for most people. And as I started reading what other writers have gone through, even like some of the best of the best that I respect, like, I think we all go through that, that we feel like we're not good enough. And there was fear of getting my stories out there. And and, and, and then it kind of comes back to like, you need to trust that, that you're meant to do what you're doing and to not self-sabotage yourself and to not worry about being so perfectionistic. Like, I, I think any writer can look back at their writing and say, at some point you have to just say, well, this is what it is right now. This is the best I can do at this moment in time. And you can always look back and say, yeah, maybe I could have had a better word choice there or phrase this differently. But at some point you have to kind of let it go. Yeah. It's interesting because do you do you think I feel like imposter syndrome is a coined phrase now that's yeah. maybe newer to our yeah, lexicon yeah. definitely so I'm like I'm wondering what people called it back in like you know the 1930s or the 1800s you know I'm actually reading a book right now about Mary Shelley um oh, oh. gosh yeah and but it, her it's from her and her daughter's perspective interesting and in the book she's talking about this kind of imposter syndrome a little bit but she's not like she's just kind of putting it out there in like long form of words so i'm like i wonder what I they would have called call it, that i kind of think i'd call it insecurity like True. you're just not a belief in yourself you know yeah and, and i yeah and i think we learned that as children right of just showing up in the world right as a person and who we are is I think as you get older, you kind of come to this realization of like, well, I'm not for everybody, but I'm okay with that because I'm confident yeah. in who I am as a person. So I I'm, I get more and more okay with that as each year passes that like, like, I'm just not for everybody yet. And that's okay. Totally. It's like, there's all these different types of Chick-fil-A sauce. Like, which one do you like? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you could, you know, hopefully with your, your work, you know, in your book that you might just get to the point, like that might not be for everybody or maybe that will plant the seed for later maybe they will read my book and for that sure. will plant the seed for the future yeah no one book is gonna reach everybody like you know it's yeah. just not so you have to know who your audience is yeah i found in your book especially because i feel like sometimes people hear god and the word religion and they think we're gonna get all kind of woo woo on yeah, them, yeah. right? Like I hope it's not a woo woo book <laughs> no not at all and that was what i wanted to say is i found your book to be so relatable and so grounded and just in the reality that you're talking about, because I think there would be a lot of people that maybe say they've never heard God speak to them. But I think you do such a great job in laying out how God spoke to you just through everyday occurrences, right? Like it wasn't this big epiphany of a moment right? that happened, but simple things. Like the song that comes on the radio and just kind of keeps coming on trying to tell you something or yeah. 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 And so I think that I feel like having read that myself, I'm like, oh, okay, I need to quiet the noise in my life a little bit so I can yeah. actually hear or see those simple things. Definitely. So. We all do. I think it's, and even though I know these lessons, I have to keep reliving them and like, oh, I need to like do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this on our last episode, but there's this video of a sheep that has like fallen in the ditch. Have you seen this video? 
No. And so this far it's this farmer like struggling to get the sheep out of the ditch. And like he finally gets the sheep out and the sheep it, like literally like runs into the field for like two seconds and then dives back into <laughs> the ditch and gets stuck again. And it, the like usually the quote above it is like God trying to rescue me in this moment <laughs> or God trying to teach totally. me something. Right. Because then you just go dive right back in and you do the same thing. <laughs> that you've that's done. so true that's so true <laughs> I, I think of it like layers of video game playing you play one level and learn a level of trust and persistence or whatever lesson that you really need to learn and then you, you graduate to another level and then you're like oh gosh I thought I learned this lesson but not on this level you didn't like yeah so that's, that's a great way of looking at it yeah <laughs> and comes back to persistence right in us and in yeah. God coming in our totally. life mm-hmm. wonderful well have you still been writing and journaling. I have been, as I've been meeting people at different writing functions, people start telling me their stories. And so I've started looking for other people's stories of how God talks to them. And so I'm kind of writing those down. And at this point, it's just a bunch of different journaling, but that's how my writing process starts is just taking notes and journaling right, right now. And, um, so I've been, I've been writing about that. And then unfortunately about a couple of weeks ago, I got diagnosed with melanoma and basal skin cancer we just found out we got it all, but I have a good percentage chance of it coming back. And so I'll be checked every three months. And so I've been writing about that process and it's been pretty shocking and hard for me. So, yeah, I imagine, right. This is exactly what you're talking about. Like the sea isn't calm for long. No, uh-uh. I did not see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> Went yeah. in for a routine check and she's like, Oh, we need to take this. I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So at that point, did they kind of line you up of like, this might be something or oh, yeah. did you get the this results like, later? All right. Well, you had to wait 10 days for pathology after okay. she took it, came back. Um, we did a biopsy a couple of days later and then it came back 10 days that we, that it was in fact, melanoma in early stage. And then I had the basal cell cancer I found, I just didn't like how it looked. And so she took it off. She's like, it'll be nothing. Well, it came back basal cell cancer. Wow. I was like, whoa. And then, and then I had to wait and then I had to have surgery and it was like two hours to get both those spots. They're pretty deep incisions. And then, um, I had to wait 10 days to make sure they got all the margins. So the waiting was not fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh. now, and now that it's great that they got it all, but it's just that fear of, on the paranoia of like, I mean, I'm someone who enjoys the sun. I have a little beach here. I live on a lake and, you know, and I'm, I'm always careful, but like now I feel like I have to cover up all the time and I'm just kind of going through that process of like, what's this new normal? Like, you know? Yeah. Which is really hard to implement for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you're talking, I think there's a certain amount of grief, right? Of what, what was before and now what's this new normal? Exactly. Just that fear that it can come back at any time and yeah. And hopefully it doesn't, but you know, the reality is it could, and the reality is it could be, anyone could have get this really. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear you've been going through that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's just a journey. I think, I mean, what I've heard is it's a grief process and I think I'm, I mean, I'm in the middle of that right now. So yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, and again, I've turned to writing to kind of help me process a lot of it. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I'm glad to hear you're doing that. Hopefully that yeah. will help. And <laughs> And I'm sure you're going to see God's hand through this as well. Well, it's funny because if you read, you read my book yeah. and mm-hmm. so I, I went back to the dermatologist just this week out of paranoia. I'm like, what about this spot? And, and then I had, and then I, my scars, like they had removed the stitches last week, but I felt like they forgot a couple. So I'm like, um, can you get all these stitches? I think you missed a few. 
And then it turns out the internal stitches are trying to poke through, like they're not happy. So like okay. it was actually just internal stitches. But as I'm in there awaiting that song, listen to your heart comes on. And that was the phrase God used to me when I went through the tunnel and the near death experience in the book. And then like throughout the book, that song, listen to your heart would come on at key moments. And to me, that's like a symbol, like things are going to be okay. Like yeah. going to be fine. And that song, and that's not a popular song to come on the radio anymore. It's by Roxette oh. from the 1990s. <laughs> so that song came on while I was waiting to show her my paranoia of my new spots that I thought I had, but I'm fine. So yeah. she said that that's very normal that people will be looking at every little spot now and, and it'll I, take some time. <laughs> I can only imagine that they see a lot of that, right? Of like the initial and then the follow-ups of like, wait, yeah. okay, I'm okay here, right? Or I'm okay here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I again, imagine. it's a trust. It's a trust process again for me. So it's a different level of the video game I'm going through. <laughs> well, yeah, and you're seeing yourself through a different lens now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, please keep us posted how your journey yeah. goes, and and I'll keep you in my prayers for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Kira. <laughs> you're welcome. So, do you? I know you've been doing some book events because I follow you on social media, and listeners, <laughs> I will include the links to follow Christine as well. But do you have any book events coming up? The Waukesha, again, this is in Wisconsin, holiday kickoff at the fairgrounds from 9 to 3 on November 18th. So it's a huge vendor event, um, you know, around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. Okay. Look at that too. Yeah. So for those that are listening that are maybe authors themselves, so in order to go to these events, do you just sign up as a vendor? I do. Like you just have to apply and they don't let any two people do the same thing, but no one else has my book. So we're fine. (laughs) So other authors can go. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause your book obviously is so unique to you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, and then do you, you like kind of set up your table? Do you sign books for people at these events? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I sign books, talk to people, have them join my mailing list and yeah. Oh, that's such a great idea. I've had, I done, I've done a couple and I find it works better than being at author fairs. Cause at author fairs, I tried one of those. There's like 35, 40 authors like around booths at a library. And there's so many books for people to choose from. They don't, they don't, they can't buy every book yeah. where if I'm like one of the only authors at a craft fair, they're like, Oh, this is a nice gift. I do pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun meeting people too. That's what I was going to say. It probably is like, it gets like you out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And communicating with them. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's, a great idea. So for those of you that are listening that are maybe authors yourselves, think of vendor events. That could be a really great avenue for getting yourself out there. Yeah. And last time I know we talked about who you were as a reader. So have your reading tastes changed or are they still the same? They haven't really changed. They're pretty much the same. I I tend to go toward nonfiction or philosophy or spiritual or poetry. Um, But that doesn't mean I don't like a good like beach read or something too. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, and you've so graciously prepared another book flight for us today. So I am really excited. I want to say I picked these books. This is kind of ironic, but also I think how God works. I picked these three titles before I knew I had the skin cancer. So that was really interesting now to reflect on these books after having been diagnosed with skin cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, Christine and I, we had such a great time at our last talk. I feel like we talked forever and we had so much in common (laughs) and we like were emailing shortly after. I'm like, we should do that again. That was really fun. Yeah. It was (laughs) so fun. It's like we're old friends. (laughs) Yeah. So we talked pretty quickly right after our first recording, which I mean, was quite a month, a few months back. So yeah. 
Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, well, yeah, this sounds great. But yeah, she picked her books right away, like way back when. So yeah. yeah. So the first book is called um, Between Two Kingdoms by Suleika Jawad. And it's it's been out a couple of years, I think now. And for those who don't know this book, she was a 20, she wrote it when she was, um, it was about her when she turned 22 years old and she was diagnosed with leukemia. And at the time she only had a 35% chance to survive it. And I can't imagine that. And she lost her job. She lost her independence. She had a really supportive boyfriend at the time. And she, for four years, she was just in and out of the hospital with this chemo. And it, and it was really devastating to her. She could hardly live her life. And he had to accept a completely new reality. She became a lot really close to other cancer patients, but then would see them die. And I can't imagine that as you're going through that yourself. Yeah. And her, so her whole focus was on surviving and people would treat her differently. They were treating her kind of like a hero. And, and the real story though, kind of began, she did get cured, but I have heard since that it's come back. And so she still deals with this and goes through these bouts oh. of I hadn't heard that. Yeah. And, um, but she, she had, um, when she was cured that she talks about how the healing really started to begin. She had always the fear of relapse, kind of like what I was just talking about. Is it going to come back? And she had a lot of unprocessed grief and she had kind of challenges re-entering the world. Cause like, who is she now? And she talks about how she felt like an imposter and her writing is just so profound and so well-written. Um, it's one of the best writers I've ever seen. Like, I just think the way she puts her words together, it's so inspiring. But she basically goes on this 15,000 mile road trip. So the first half is like the cancer and the four years. And it's really kind of depressing to read, but it's also really interesting. And so it's kind of, it's hard to process it almost like, but but she does it so well. And then her second half of the book is this 15,000 mile road trip that she goes on. And she had a newspaper column while she was going through this cancer it was called Life Interrupted, and it was a basis for a New York Times um, column. And so a lot of strangers would write her from all across the country saying, I'm going through it too. Keep up the good work. Keep the fight, you know, keep keep going. And so she, when she was um, in remission, she went and visited all these different strangers who, who she kind of became friends with from around America. And it's a 15,000 mile road trip that she took. And she visited someone on death row who had cancer and she visited like some teenager. And then this old guy named Howard, who kind of taught her to open her heart again. And um, it basically it just kind of, she showed how um, meaning is left when everything else is stripped off, like like that there's this division between, she talks a lot about this division between the sick and the well, and it really doesn't exist. It was so thought provoking. And she says, we travel back and forth between being sick and well. And I thought that was really interesting. And um, she quit kind of expecting perfection and realized we all will have our life interrupted at some point. It might not be leukemia, but something's yeah. going to stop us. And we need to like learn to live and like still find joy in life. And that's kind of a lesson I talked about too. And in, in episode 21, when we talked about eat, pray, love, and when we talked about like my life going through 10 years of infertility of the, the constant miscarriages that I would have, like, you know, I had 30 of them and yeah. that finding that joy and, it's so easier said than done, but like, I think it's important to try to like pause your life in the middle of the chaos of your storm and, and really try to figure out what's the meaning of this and how can I be better for this versus just like have self-pity and just yeah. sit there. Yeah. That's what I was thinking as you were saying that. It's so easy to like 
stack up, well, this is happening and that is happening and this is going on, right? And like, you can kind of get mired in that and then you're just, it feels so cloudy, right? And you can't see the joy and the laughter. And and I'm not saying you shouldn't like feel those feelings. Like it's almost like you got to feel them and then you got to like process it and let it go, but you just can't stay there. You can't stay stuck, you know? You have to keep going. And I think what I appreciated about her book was she was really real, like and really raw and she allowed she showed us the anger she showed us how she was even rude to her boyfriend and and then reflected back on that later and said yeah I was kind of a jerk but I she was going through all this and she didn't know how to handle it you know yeah she was like I didn't want this to happen to me right right in your lap yeah 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 I um I read this book as well and the cover is so beautiful oh yes think of her and I didn't know much about the book, which is probably a good thing. Cause sometimes when I think a book is going to be really sad, I will like put it off and put it off, even though it has been on my list to read, but I'll put it off. Cause I'm like, I'm just not emotionally ready to pick that up. And I feel like this would have been a book. I would have done that. Same. But, I didn't know a lot about it either. Yeah. I just had a lot of buzz about it. So I picked it up. Yeah. But I will say what Christina is saying, there is such there is obviously it is a a heavier emotional read, but she does such yeah. a beautiful job at telling her story and that transformation she gets from that fifteen thousand mile journey. I feel mm-hmm. like that really it takes the book from being something that is so sad but real, real to yeah. her life, right? So it's something that should be read, but don't think of it as like I'm just going to be so sad when I read it because again, there's this beautiful transformation throughout her story that happens right she really she really shows like how she's not in control and that we can find meaning in pain and can choose how we respond you know and I I really appreciated that like I I kind of guess you know I think we all appreciate books that we can resonate with even if it's not our story and um that reminded me of like you know like losing my best friend in a motorcycle accident or my dad's heart attack where it's like when you're out of control those like she says, we all are living in those kingdoms between life and death. Yeah. So it's really thought provoking. She also had a quote in the book I like. Um, she says, we're all in one way or another living interrupted lives. We all have to grapple with the unexpected, the unwelcome, and the unknown. And that is just so true. It's the unknown that shakes us up sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think about there's that, you know how there's the memory that like imprints, like you can remember Right. Like sometimes a song will bring you back to a moment. Oh, and, yeah. and I feel like this book hit me so much that like, I remember where I was in reading it, you know, and I feel yeah. like just because it was such an impactful book. I feel the same exact way. Um, totally. Another thing she said too, that really resonated. She talks about healing and she says, and I think we know this, but I liked hearing it, how she worded it. She said, healing is not linear. It's messy and non and a nonlinear process that often involves taking one step forward and two steps back. And then she says, but in moments of setbacks, progress is made. And that is so true. I mean, in yeah. any kind of healing. In her spirit too, right? Any A lot of progress was made through this journey, right? It was messy. Oh, sure. Yeah. It was ugly, but it was, it changed her as a person. And you see, and you see her take steps like, like with the boyfriend and a knot, and then she meets this new guy and opens her heart up to love and I'll, you just see, it's just neat to see all that growth and then you can kind of relate it to yourself too. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, listeners, don't be afraid to pick this one up. It really is a very (laughs) impactful book, emotional, but impactful. Definitely. 
<laughs> I did have, even some of my high school students resonated with it and really enjoyed it too. They read it in their memoir units. Okay. Oh, yep. that's great. Okay. So that was Between Two Kingdoms by Suleika Jaoud. And yeah. then what is the next book of our pairing? The next one is um, When Breath Becomes Air by Paul, and I'm not sure how to say his last name, Kala Anthi, maybe? I'm not okay. sure. So sorry if I butchered that name. The first part is about him being a neurosurgeon, and he's a resident at Stanford at the time, and he finds out that he has stage four lung cancer. So another happy book. No, okay. <laughs> this is admittedly the book that I have had on my TBR for so long, but I know what it's about, and I'm like... I need to emotionally be ready, but I, I'm so excited to hear. Another great writer. Um, yeah. He really shows. So the first part is about this, like him grappling with this lung cancer. The second part is like the cancer diagnosis and how he's dealing and what he's realizing about life and what he's realizing being a neurosurgeon and how the healthcare system handles this. And so you really see how life is fragile and unpredictable and that you know, it can be taken away at any moment and that it sounds so cliche, but you have to cherish the moments with loved ones and live life to the fullest. And he's really reflecting on his search for meaning and career. And he shows kind of the purpose of finding like meaning in life and um, that power of empathy that we need in healthcare that was missing. He found that it was missing. And I've found that too, at times, you know, that we need to connect with patients as human beings, but then you see all these people being numbers sometimes and doctors hardly have time to spend time with you to, to really get to know your story. And, and it is a big health crisis. And a lot of these nurses and doctors are overworked and, you know, and they don't have the support they need either. Yeah. They're just trying to do their job. Right. But they're like more and more, more patients, more patients. You need to see more. I'm sure they don't all, I mean, some of my friends who are in the health field, they don't love that either. So it's just a, it's a big problem. And he, and he writes about that and you can see that disconnect and he's kind of changing because he realizes he was like that. He didn't always show the power. He didn't always have all the empathy until he realizes what he's going through. Yeah. And then he, he really kind of shows too how death is a part of life and we need to reflect on how we want to live our life and accept that inevitability of death, which also reminds me of when I talked about Tuesdays of Mori in episode 21, like he talks all about that too. He was very accepting of his death and how you kind of get to that point, like the, the, this is going to happen to everybody. And and then again, I feel like this is a reoccurring theme in all these books I've talked about. He talks a lot about gratitude and hope and how you can they, they can coexist while you're going through the worst of times, you know, and, and taking that time to to find purpose in, in something bad that's happening. And, and I think both this book and um, Between Two Kingdoms, they really focus on connection and community and that we need people. To, we don't want to, we shouldn't distance ourselves. We need to be part of something and keep our connections to help us heal and deal with whatever's coming. Yeah. 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 I love that part you're talking about, um, you know, just the transformation and how they, I always love when I read books like this of how they find hope in a moment that just seems absolutely hopeless. Right. It's, it's fascinating. Cause I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if I could, if I would, I guess when you're in that choice, you have no choice, you know, but yeah. seeing how they do that is inspiring too. Yeah. Inspiring. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great yeah. word for it. Cause that's what I, I get out of that. And, and I love putting myself in the, you know, whatever voice I'm reading, whether, right, it's a fictional character or in this uh, memoir um, of would I do the same if I was faced with this situation? And so I think that's why I like that bit of inspiration that comes and how they find hope 
and joy in what seems very tragic teaching us a way to to live our lives too yeah yeah i love that um and he he wrote all the book right he did, but I don't remember if at the end he passed before it was finished. I know the okay, that's forward a, yeah. was, I think I'm not positive on that. He wrote okay. most, I know he wrote most of it. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was like, I know he did pass, but I didn't know if he got to finish his work before. Yeah. And he was married with a child on the way too. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't know he had a child on the way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, his legacy then he has a legacy yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a book that's been out for a while I don't remember what year it was published but it's another one that even my high school students really it resonates with them too they really like that book okay all right here's my nudge time to pick it up Kara yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so that was when breath becomes air and then what is the last book of the pairing today My, my final one I feel like ties in with this theme and kind of gives advice of how to handle life when anything happens it's called um wherever you go there you are by John Cabot Zinn okay and I was introduced to this book oh several years ago probably 15 20 years ago when I was going through all those miscarriages and just needing to find like some kind of peace, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this book is almost like a self-help book. The concept of mind, it's about mindfulness and how we can apply it to everyday life and promote well-being and inner peace. And so he, he really starts off talking about how we need to pay attention, like on purpose, be in the present moment. Don't judge what you're feeling. It can be practiced anywhere, anytime, like when you're eating, walking, whatever you're doing, like be in the moment and realize what you're doing. Like I remember thinking about like, I'm doing dishes. I don't really want to do dishes, but to just enjoy that fact that you have dishes and that you have water to wash them with. And like, just to really be in that moment, like it's that simple. Like, and he, he talks about cultivating awareness of your thoughts, feelings, and physical sensations. He's really into the mind body connection, which I completely believe in. Like mm-hmm. you, you can, a lot of times you can heal yourself by d- deep breathing and, and just like, realizing what you're feeling and so then once you can put it once you can feel it you can start to let it go like you don't want to hide your anger or your grief or and so he talks a lot about like meditation body scan scanning um mindful movement and breathing and um basically kind of like a roadmap um to being you know in all areas of life of how you can you can do this you know He has a couple of quotes that resonated too. He says, mindfulness is not about getting anywhere else. It's about being where you are and knowing it. And I like that stuck with me all these years. Like that just, it's okay. Like as I got this cancer diagnosis, it's okay to be angry. Like I don't want to stay there, but like it's okay okay to feel that, you know, and, and, and feel shocked or, you know, and he says too, you can't stop the waves, but we can learn how to surf. And it's like, kind of like, I love that. And I love that. I'm like, that's so true. And, um, and so I think this book is just really good advice on how to deal with anything you're going through. Even if you're in a good point of life, acknowledge when something's going well too. Yeah. Yeah. Feel the joy. <laughs> yeah. I was reading um, last night, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale I Carnegie. Love that. I love that book. My husband, yeah. like quotes of it plastered all over our bathroom. <laughs> yeah. And I was reading the part about how no one likes to be criticized. And it's like basically what you're saying, right? Of celebrate the wins. And it really made me think about my parenting strategy, right? Because I feel like you need to have strategies as parents, right? And each kid is going to be different, but just celebrating. I feel like I don't 
praise my kids enough, right? Because I'm more like trying to correct yeah. the bad behavior. And so I'm like, okay, this is something I really need to work on for myself. That, that praising will help bring out that good behavior more often though too. Yeah. So, yeah. And I feel like it's so funny you're saying that. Where your attention goes, you get more of. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, today, day one, we're changing strategy <laughs> here. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, I I really appreciated like this lesson in the book about like accepting the ebb and flow of life and finding peace in that present moment rather than worrying about the future, which I need to keep reminding myself of. And it's easy to worry about the future sometimes. But and again, he really talks too about like in that present moment, finding gratitude again and finding the joy in in the bad times. And so I think that's, again, just just a book, just a really good reminder of how to become resilient and deal with life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it sounds like this book has been in publication for a while because you said a long time. It. Okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of this one, but it sounds like some really good lessons. Oh to yeah. Learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the constant reminder of yes, be here, be present right now. We can't change the past and we can do nothing about the future right now, but just be here. Definitely. Yep. Oh, I love that. Okay, so that was Wherever You Go, There You Are by John Kabat-Zinn. Thank you for that book flight. That was wonderful. And these are all fantastic reads. I haven't read all of them, but yeah, they've definitely been floating around in my TBR for a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I love to end our show with the bonus pairings, which are just our speed round of questions here. Okay. So what was your favorite childhood book? Um, the little engine that could, um, you know, the one about the train yep. going up the hill saying, I think I can, I think I can. My yep. dad first read it to me when I was three years old and okay. my initials at the time spelled C-A-N because my, my maiden name was Nikas. Okay. And he said, uh, Christine, you can do whatever you put your mind to always believe in yourself and think you can. And so that was just one of the little phrases that I always told myself, I think I can, I think I can. And so, oh Yeah. Hey, my favorite book. Yeah. And it stuck with you. I love that. It has. I, yeah. I feel like to kids, that's such an easy, right? Like saying like, I oh think yeah. I, I think and I, I actually that. start and I teach honors level high school, nine through 12th graders, but I start my first day of school reading that book to them. Uh, <laughs> have most of them been introduced to it? I would say at least 75% of all of them have read it or heard of it, but, and they think it's kind of funny, but I'm like, but then we talk about character development and children's writing and I just start off like this is our, you know, always, always try in here. Yeah. Yeah, It's funny you say that because my son, my youngest is like so into trains. And so we have been reading this book a lot recently because that's, I usually let him like go to his bookshelf and I'm like, okay, pick out the book we're going to read. Yeah. And, um, and he's been picking this book up a lot. So because such he's a, such a good book. <laughs> yeah. And like the message is so great, but I think he picks it up because he loves trains. So, <laughs> yeah. and then it's not only a story about like believing in yourself, but just helping other people when someone needs help, you know, and, and I want a classroom where students help each other too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So, and then do you prefer, do you read audiobooks? Um, I don't a lot, but if we're on a okay. road trip, definitely I will. Yeah. Okay. All right. My, hus- my husband prefers the audiobook. I prefer having a book in my hand. Okay. All right. And then if you could meet an author or a literary character, who would it be? It would be um, 
two of them because they they were like best friends back in the day in the 1800s. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau. Oh, um, philosophers, they were transcendentalists. And I feel like their spiritual philosophy aligns kind of with mine and my book that I wrote. And I would okay. love to sit around a table and just like talk to them about like the soul and intuition and self-reliance. And um, when I was a few years ago, before, well, it was a while ago, I guess, before kids, my husband and I went out east and got to see Walden's Pond and walked it. And I saw okay. Ralph Emerson's house where he wrote self-reliance. And it was just so inspiring to me. And I, I just think their words and their ideas are still true today. And um, I would love to sit and philosophize with them. <laughs> yeah. And talk about, I feel like being in the moment, right? Of like, yeah. you have to, to be able to philosophize about life. So you really have to sit there and just be yeah. present to do that. They would sit there with Louisa May Alcott and then um, Hawthorne was an anti-transcendentalist and totally disagreed with everything they talked about. And but and but yet yeah, Emerson and Thoreau were more optimistic about life. And so I think I'd love to go back and just be like right there with them and be like, hey, this is what I think. And yeah. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't realize there was this whole connection. They were all like them. friends and they all lived with like on the same block. And um, Hawthorne's house was right there, too. He bought it. I forget how that goes. Like if Louisa owned it first, but they were all friends and like wow. they would have philosophical debates all the time. And I just thought that was so cool. But I remember when I went around Walden's pond, he, you know, he had a house that he lived in for two years, like this little, little log cabin. He just wanted to get away from society. I feel that way sometimes. And <laughs> he talked a lot about simplifying in life that we don't okay. need all this extra stuff all the time. And I, I love that idea. Like I feel less chaotic when I try to get rid of stuff and purge and, um, simplify in all sorts of ways in life. So, yeah, yeah, I actually, that's one of the beauty, beautiful things about moving all the time is yeah. that like forces us to purge. So every three years we have like a scheduled purge. Yeah. I told my <laughs> husband, we have to pretend we're moving so we can just like get rid of stuff here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I told my husband when he, we retire from the military that it, we will still operate on like, we're going to move every three years, which quote unquote, we won't move, but like we need right. to purge like we're moving every three years. <laughs> I agree with that. Totally. <laughs> Awesome. And then last question here, what are you reading next? I um, am rereading Parts of Atomic Habits just because it was such a good book. And I want to really have it ingrained in me, this idea of making small habits and building from there. And so I'm working on that with just like eating better and um, exercising and just really implementing some things to just, you know, have a really good immune system. So I'm rereading that. And then I just I found this book. I know nothing about it, but I liked the title. Okay. <laughs> with this author, and I found it on a reel on Instagram. So I'm like, and it just came. I just ordered it on Amazon. But it's called "Don't Believe Everything You Think: Why Your Thinking Is the Beginning and End of Suffering" by Joseph Guyan. And I okay, I just liked. I read. I liked the blurb and I liked the title. So I'm going to see what it's about. Yeah. So I know nothing about it. I'm. I don't even know if the author is like been around a while or if it's just like someone like me like a no name I don't know <laughs> <laughs> bookstagram made me do it <laughs> and I'm like good advertising because I, I was interested so yeah I've loved this in doing this show is I've been introduced to so many more books right that I would not have heard of yeah and people are so creative with their titles like I'm like I want to read that just based off the title name yeah <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm interested. So I'm going to read that next. Yeah. So in the summer as a teacher, 
do you have, I know you're being a chauffeur right now, but do you find you really get to have some break and you can do some of these things that you enjoy, maybe have some good leisure time? I, I don't have a lot of that. It's weird how busy I am, you know, not working as a teacher, but um, I do have more time to read now than I do. And yeah. than I do in the school year and I have a little more time to like write and reflect. So okay. I get up early before the kids, um, you know, ask me to feed them this and feed them that and take them here. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your summer and I am so grateful that you came back on the show with another book flight. This so was much really for exciting. It was really fun. You're so welcome. So listeners, you can go check back into episode 21. It's not going to be a repeat of today. So you can go listen yeah. to that because that one I think has had some really great tips, lessons, pointers in there as well. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. And if, if they want to find the book, they can find it on Amazon or Kindle. Um, and I know you'll have the links and stuff. Yes. So. Perfect. I'm glad you added that as well. And she also has a Facebook page and Instagram too, right? Yep. And Twitter. And, and Twitter. A, okay. And a, and a website that now holds all the podcasts that I've been doing. So okay. these will be on there too. And they can always go back to that as well. So. Wonderful. Well, I will put all those links in the show notes, listeners, so you can find Christine. All right. And if they end up seeing how God talks in their life, I would love if they write me and tell me because they could be part of my next book then. Yeah. So. Is it the best way to do that? Is it via email or how would you like them to contact you? Probably through email, um, which is also on the website too. Okay, great. All, All right. right. Thank you Thank so much, you. Kara. You it's are so welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today with Christine Thoma. We hope you enjoy this book flight and would love to hear what other books you'd pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time.